0: Welcome back to So 8 Plus, the podcast where we pair a good and bad movie and get drunk while we do it. This is Ashley, and I'm with my favorite drinking buddy, Sean. Hey. I'm actually drinking right now. It's exciting.
1: What are you drinking? (laughs) (laughs)
2: Because I don't know. I still don't know. You you had me get it for you.
0: (laughs) So, uh, I'm drinking my Trum Tad Paradise Now, which is arguably that brewery's most famous beer. But I asked you to go grab it for me before we started recording. And I said, will you go grab a Paradise now? And he said, what's that? And I said, the beer I like. He said, okay. And then you're calling from the kitchen. Where is it? Which for those that don't know, we have a beer fridge and I have just one dedicated shelf in the beer fridge for anything that I drink because I don't drink a ton of beer.
1: Okay, but here's the thing. (laughs) now you say that but on the front where the actual name should go like right in the center right where most names are on (laughs) most beer cans no it's not on the front it's on like almost the very top it's like okay
0: it's on the front but it's at the top but mm, you can't argue that that's not the front of the can no
1: i I can and and here's (laughs) the thing i think that they should put it right in the center like every other beer what they did instead was they put it at the very top so far up on the top, in fact, that when you or have it in the beer can holder, it was covering the name of the beer. And the other thing is that Tab, all of their cans look like this, right? Drimtad does this like, it's not minimalist, but it's like where every can looks the same and what they change is like the words. You well, know what I mean? They change the color. Yeah, they changed the color a little bit. What I mean is like, uh, so like Wiseacre, all their cans look drastically different. You could never like fool one can for another. Sure. Trimtab does kind of like, I can't remember, uh, isn't it Highwire? Highwire is another one where like every single can looks identical, but they change like one color and then they change the text and that's it. This seems a lot like that. And all I saw was that it was a Berliner Vice. I thought maybe like that was the name that it was a Berliner Vice, or at the bottom it said Gravitational Nectar. <laughs> <laughs> Which does not seem like a description to me as much as a name.
0: I mean, so I just get Sean going, okay. And like this, is, he gets the voice that he gets when he's like, I'm about to prove you wrong. He's like, listen to what we have here. It is a raspberry Berliner Weiss." I was like, yeah, that's the fucking paradise <laughs> now.
1: <laughs> it is what it is. I'm drinking Shiner Was
0: That Molly left here, right? No, I bought it. Oh, you're so inspired by Molly's... Christmas episode last week that you wanted to get your own Shiner Cheer.
1: Uh, partially. I was already planning on getting Shiner Cheer. Getting Shiner Cheer has been a tradition for me every every Christmas since I lived with James, my old roommate. Because James, when his when I first met James, he told me that one of his favorite beers was a little known beer that only comes out once a year, <laughs> and it's Shiner Cheer. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but ever since, uh, you know, we had that Christmas party our, our first year living there. And th- that's like one of the most memorable Christmas parties that I've had in the last like 10 years. I haven't
0: seen you drink shudders here in like three years. No, I buy it literally every year. Actually, I don't think you do.
1: Whole Foods sells it and so does Kroger and it's very easy to get. I get it like every single year. I'm not
0: arguing how easy or hard it is to get. I'm arguing that I've, I haven't seen it in this house in a
2: few years. Well,
1: I'm, I'm not, I don't always buy like six packs of it, but every time we're out, I normally order it if it's on the menu. Okay, that or I agree I, with. Yeah, like <laughs> I don't need to defend whether or not I drink, shine, or cheer. <laughs> anyway, I have one. It's good.
0: Yeah. Well, good for you. Yeah.
1: I mean, that's special. It's chi- Shiner, but you know.
0: Yeah, I'm not a fan.
1: Really? of Shiner Cheer?
0: I don't know what it tastes like. So I <laughs> You've never <laughs> had it. I uh, think I've had it before.
1: Well, according to the description, it is brewed with peaches and pecans.
0: Oh, that kind of sounds
1: fun. Yeah. It's kind of darker, though. It's a little bit heavier. It's Can not. I try
0: it? Sure. What is that face for? <laughs> I don't know. I just don't <laughs> think you're going to like
1: it. I think you're going to do your your standard <laughs> where you sip it and then you're like, bah. It's not mm-hmm. hoppy at all, but it is darker.
2: Mm. <laughs> what was that noise? I don't know. My throat was the <laughs> <laughs> with
0: the drink. It tastes like something I would have drank when I was 21 to try to say I liked beer. I
1: don't know what that means. It's like Blue Moon?
0: Yeah, like early 20s. Like, it's such a try-hard thing to be like, I like alcohol. And like, I don't know. I'm I at a point in my life where I'm like fine with saying like, no, there's not any beers here that I like. I
1: don't know. I like beer. I like beer more now than I did in the past, honestly. Sure, because I drink like, better beer. I drink different beer.
0: For sure. But do you I mean, did you ever go through that phase like when you're like when you first started drinking and you thought you had to say that you liked things that you didn't necessarily like just because Well, I
1: also wasn't as big of a drinker. In undergrad especially. I was a late drinker, right? Because I didn't really start drinking until I was 21, like actually 21.
2: Right. Because I was like
1: that type of kid in in high school and undergrad. But at the same time, liquor, even now, I don't love. So like when we, other than now old fashions, I do love and I do Mm -hmm. like the taste of that. I like the feeling of drinking whiskey. And I normally like the taste of drinking whiskey. If it's way too high proof, then I don't like it so much. Mm-hmm. But like that feeling of it kind of like warming your throat and stomach as you drink it. I love that. Especially if it's not like burning your throat so hard. If it's just warm, like a warm feeling of drinking it, right? Other, mm-hmm. not just like, like just tearing your throat apart as it, as you swallow it, like mm-hmm. Everclear or something like that. But in general, like vodka, gin... Uh, I I can drink gin sometimes, but like all of those liquors, I don't like them that much. Um, So it's like if it's a mixed drink where it's like mixed in really well and you don't taste it so much, like a margarita, then sure. But I don't ever love just drinking liquor. Right. Whiskey, when you mix it with the Mountain Dew, (laughs) the Mountain (laughs) Dew, uh, tastes completely different. You know, it's just like there's no burn to it whatsoever. Same with like, you know, Jack and Coke or something like that.
0: Yeah, I'm getting to the point that the only... Like, liquor drinks that I want to drink are either a dirty martini or just a ranch water, like tequila soda of lime.
1: Yeah, and I'm fine drinking all those things. And, like, that's all fine. But I feel like, especially in undergrad, people drink a lot more liquor, just liquor. Mm-hmm. And I never really enjoyed that. Like, yeah. the only time, the first time I drank... A lot of liquor was uh, cherry Svedka, and I can never... Oh, my God. I can't even... Uh, I can't even imagine it. Anymore. I can't
0: even hear the word Svedka from just getting so sick of it in college.
1: Well, and they're like the big one that came up with all the flavored... Schmierhoff did it, uh-huh. too, and then there's a... I can't remember what... It, isn't it like three something?
0: I
2: have no clue. And anyway,
1: there's another brand that like specifically does flavored vodkas, but Svedka was like a front runner, and now they have a million flavors. Mm-hmm. Um, shmirnov was probably the first one where people like in high school would drink like green apple <laughs> shmirnov. <laughs> I feel like that's a market, right? How did liquor companies not get in trouble? You know, like flavored cigarettes mm-hmm. were banned for marketing to children. Mm-hmm. Can you honestly tell me that a grown ass adult wants to drink green apple shmirnov?
0: Yes, I've met them. Who? M- people. People. <laughs> They're but what gonna, type of people? People who might well just people. I don't know. It's just like remember it's, this is when I worked at a different place. But remember that one company Christmas party we went to, and somebody was completely obsessed with their uh, green apple crown.
1: Uh, I mean, yeah, I do remember that. But green apple crown is not the same as green apple Smirnoff.
2: I mean, green yeah, apple yeah, crown
1: sure. is like a normal. It's like crown with a hint of a sour apple in there,
2: mm-hmm. right?
1: I, I'm okay with that. And even i would say i'm even okay with fireball i don't want to drink it but i'm i'm fine with fireball i don't feel like fireball itself is necessarily a drink for high schoolers there is something about both the price and the taste of green apple smirnoff or any of those like where you like mix skittles with vodka right like that seems like a juvenile thing to do
0: yeah so juvenile i had friends in high school that were making skittle vodka and selling it (laughs) by friends teaming
1: yourself because i think you told me that you did that i did
0: not do that
1: you told me that you did it
0: i did not sean i did not
2: (laughs) (laughs) no i did not (laughs) hi mark (laughs) um
0: no it was not me
1: okay i'm almost 100 sure that the year we met you told me that you did that
0: why would I lie about something like that? That's so I don't weird. because
1: you were saying that it was like a money-making scheme.
0: No, I, I mean, my friends were making money off of it.
1: I don't know. Maybe that's the case. You've met
0: said friend. I'm not going to out them here, but you know them.
2: Okay. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but still, what a dumb thing to be making, what, like $5 a pop off of mixing vodka with Skittles?
0: Yeah. I mean, whenever I was in high school and we had high school parties, I would put green apple off in Sprite. <laughs> I, so
1: that gross. sounds a little bit more bearable, but it's just like...
0: Or I, some peach schnapps. <laughs> I feel like I could possibly get a buzz
1: off peach schnapps. Well, that's <laughs> so stupid. <laughs> uh, it's kind of like uh, lemon drops.
0: Oh, I can't. Mm-mm.
1: Lemon drops no, are no, like no, no, a no. quintessential undergrad drink.
0: No, 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 no.
1: There was someone cannot, we were talking to the other day was talking about how they just had their... Oh, I think it, it was it, Tyler. It
0: was Tyler. and Yeah, Tyler, he friend
1: from, of the podcast who was on for uh, Speed.
0: He went out and unironically had a lemon juice. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, he was talking about how, you know, he's now like a, a 30-year-old man. Over 30.
0: He's well over 30.
1: Not well oh, over. No. What?
0: He's basically 50 <laughs> at this point.
1: <laughs> <laughs> he's going to really appreciate
0: this. I know. I can't wait for him to hear this. Uh,
1: but he was talking about how he went out for like the very first time in a while, especially post pandemic, mm-hmm. to actually see like a, a show, not like, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. like a, going like to like a bar to listen to a band play. Yeah, like, and while he was there, I guess got a lemon drop. <laughs> like, not I, even I, lemon cello. I, I is I love like, that we're talking
0: about this right, like this right now. And when we were told this story in person, we did not react at all. <laughs> so now we seem like super assholes. I guess I had a m-
1: minute to think about it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, now, it also. I say this, right? It, but, but at the same time, when we went to the Cancun for the first time, we had like every colored,
0: oh, every flavored, like sugary
1: shot that was in the entire resort.
0: To be fair, they were kind of forced upon us. Oh, yeah. 100%. We weren't ordering
1: them. No, the bartender was giving us what he was making other people. Yeah. He was literally like, I made this for them. Do you want one too? <laughs> and I'm wondering why I'm having the worst hangovers of my life because I'm just drinking sugar. No, every single thing that we drank there was worse than than a uh, lemon drop. Lemon Drop's fine. If you want to have one, have one, right? That's what I'm saying.
0: You're really backtracking here, Sean. I'm saying that
1: it's a a kid's drink.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's child's play.
1: (laughs) I I mean, it is, but you know, whatever. It's not an actual child's drink. But I do think that we need to go back and look into all these flavored uh, things. I don't know. It's just like, how can you hold tobacco to it, but then you can't hold liquor to it?
0: I don't have an answer for you.
1: It's a question.
0: You're gonna be the new prohibitionist. Yeah, I'm, I'm
1: becoming a prohibitionist, but only for flavored for flavored vodkas. That's it. I'm fine with every other flavor of everything else, like peanut butter uh, whiskey. Fine with that. I'm fine with, uh, like I said, I'm fine with um,
0: Crown Apple. Yeah, whatever. I'm even fine
1: with that. Specifically, no flavored vodkas. Okay. I don't think that high schoolers are buying. And sure, certainly someone's buying it for them, but I don't think that high schoolers are buying the Apple like crown.
0: Do high schoolers even drink anymore? Like, don't they just do drugs? <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know.
1: I don't know. Actually, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I, I if think you're in
0: high school, that's not what you do.
1: They used to use like Juul, that but do or for it, you. Well, it's just nicotine.
0: Yeah, but that doesn't do anything for you.
1: Well, I mean, it's a nicotine high because they're doing like super concentrated nicotine with none of the extra cigarette stuff. Hmm. But at the same time, you know, it's like super addictive and they probably oh. shouldn't be doing that.
0: Other drugs, fine. The jewels, <laughs> cut it out.
1: Yeah. I mean, kind of though. <laughs> it seems like it has worse health effects than some of the other drugs.
0: I don't know. Neither of you. We don't know anything about
1: drugs. Let me tell you about
0: drugs.
1: (laughs) I haven't done any of that.
0: I feel like we're hearing your presidential platform for 10 years from now.
1: (laughs) I want to get rid of flavored uh, vodkas. I want to get rid of jewels.
0: But the other drug is completely fine. (laughs) Better for you than jewels and flavored vodka. But it's true.
1: (laughs) I bet if you looked at how many cases of cancer came out of flavored vodka and jewels compared to something else like like marijuana or something like that. I bet marijuana is doing better on that front. Maybe. I can tell you what you can't treat cancer with. <coughs> cherry flavored Svetka.
0: <laughs> but have we tried it? Has any? Has a doctor ever taken cherry flavored Svetka and poured it on the cancer to see what happens? Pour, that's not how you
1: t- <laughs> use anything to treat cancer.
0: <laughs> Inject it into the cancer?
1: I don't know. Anyway,
0: <laughs>
1: moving on to children. We're about to watch a movie with a child in it.
0: (laughs) That gets beheaded. Yeah. Um, Uh, Spoiler. (laughs) If you don't know that by now, like, what are you doing with your life?
1: I mean, this movie isn't that old, Ashley.
0: Are there really people who like the, like, horror thriller genre who haven't seen Hereditary?
1: Yes. Wow. Well. There's somebody out there who hasn't,
0: right? Okay, I've warned everyone that this is not a spoiler-free podcast, so.
1: Well, okay.
0: (laughs) Okay. So, we're watching Hereditary, and something. There's a house that's on a hill that's spooky. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: No, the title of that movie, don't know,
1: is Spooky Hill House.
0: (laughs) There's another one that we're going to get confused with. We'll be
1: coming uh, back with it (laughs) after the break. (laughs) What the name of this movie is. Maybe. House on Haunted Hill.
0: That sounds maybe possible. Okay. So, Hereditary came out in 2018. We saw it in theaters when it came out, it was great.
1: Yeah, it was really great. And that director... Ari Aster. Yeah. Didn't they also do... uh,
0: Uh, Midsummer?
1: Yeah, Midsummer. Yep. Uh, Which is a movie I want to eventually bring into a pairing. I already know what movie I'm going to pair it with, too. I've brought it up outside the podcast. But I I don't think I'm going to go straight into horror movies. Though, if we do a horror movie, we we really lost that on horror movies. We didn't really get our our October episodes like we should have. We could do a Christmas horror uh, pairing. To to No, we've done catch Christmas up. already,
0: Sean. I, Christmas I,
1: hasn't even happened yet.
0: I mean, in current sitting downtime, by the time we would figure out a fucking pairing and record it, it'd be Easter.
2: <laughs> so like...
1: Well, Easter horror. Christmas <laughs> horror. <laughs>
2: Just
1: <laughs> evil bunnies. Yeah. Uh, uh, well, I'm specifically uh, thinking of Kr- uh, Krampus, which was such a bad movie. It was so bad. It was really bad. I guess you could also count um, Nightmare or, Before Christmas. Christmas. Yeah. Uh, you could count that as kind of like a Christmas horror type thing.
0: I guess. I'm looking at the the synopsis of this and I'm like, hmm, that's not how I would describe the story.
1: So what's the synopsis?
0: Uh, this is from Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, when the matriarch of the Graham family passes away, her daughter and grandchildren begin to unravel cryptic and increasingly terrifying secrets about their ancestry, trying to outrun the sinister fate they have inherited.
1: Yeah, that sounds exactly like what I remember of this movie. Really? Yeah. Hmm. Do you not remember that?
0: I mean like kind of.
1: Are you thinking about hereditary?
0: Yeah, I am.
1: Is that what the little girl does? Yeah. Yeah, I forgot about that.
0: The the guy who plays this uh the son, Alex Wolf, I saw him on TikTok the other day and he was like, Hey, you might know me from hereditary. If you see me like out on the street, don't come up to me and go <laughs> I'm fucking tired of it. <laughs>
1: I completely forgot about that aspect of this movie. <laughs> what I do remember from the trailers and from seeing this was the old woman in her dollhouse. Yeah. So I remember that much. And I do now remember the girl clicking a lot. Yeah. But the girl clicking, does that happen the whole time or does it start at one point in the movie? No,
0: it's like the whole time. And then it becomes like a scary.
1: Thing. Right. Yeah, I, I remember now.
0: Um, I have really great news for you. And what is that? Drink when has rules.
1: Awesome. It's been a while since we've had a drink. I know. Before.
0: so exciting for it to be the first thing that popped up when I was searching for it.
1: Yeah.
0: Okay, so our drinking rules for the night. Um, drink anytime anyone says Charlie, you hear Charlie's popping sound. Um, You see Charlie's sketchbook. You see the symbol. And you see fire or flames. I think we should add something in there about the dollhouse.
1: Yeah, uh, anytime you see the dollhouse or... Did they mention anything about um, ancestry in those rules? I
2: don't know.
1: Uh, so the reason I say that the movie is called Hereditary One. Yeah. Also, the, if I remember right, the dollhouse is is tied to her preservation of like their family history or something like that. Isn't that right?
0: I don't recall that. I don't remember. We'll check. Because
1: it's a replica of the house they're in, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, there's something like that. Anyway, I, I think when they show the dollhouse or when the grandmother or someone talks about their family.
0: but the grandmother's dead. I think, like, visions of her show up, but I don't think she's, uh, like, around.
1: Still, then... We
0: obviously need to rewatch this movie because yeah. we don't know what the going I mean, it's been on. a while.
1: It's, yeah, I mean, when did this movie come out? 2018. Okay, well, it hasn't been that long, but... <laughs> You know,
0: <laughs> we watch a lot of movies. We do. We also watched uh, Alex Wolf recently, and we watched Old the other night, the M. Night Shyamalan.
1: Yeah, Old was as bad as I expected it to be. Yeah, that was pretty horrible. Not as laughably bad as I expected yeah. it to be, but. That was bad. It was bad. I uh, had the guy from The Holiday. Uh remember he's like the one that she's in love with, and then he proposes at the Christmas party.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he was in uh, The Man in the High Castle and everything.
1: Yeah, Man in the High Castle. Yeah. I can't remember that guy's name, but he's I in a lot of was, movies. Yeah. Anyway, he's he was an old. He was. Classic <laughs> M. Night Shyamalan stupidness. Yeah. He, in, M. Night Shyamalan has not made a good movie in, like, 20 years. Yeah. Definitely see it, but... Don't expect to enjoy it.
0: I I don't even think you need to see it.
1: No, I mean, like, don't see it in theaters. It's already out of theaters. I mean, like, (laughs) see it, like, (laughs) if it's on streaming for free.
0: We paid money for it. Yeah. We're we're the idiots. Well, I'm
1: glad we didn't pay money to see the new um, Spiral from the Book of Saul or whatever. We started
0: that. We had to turn it off.
1: Well, specifically, you needed to turn it off.
0: I can't do torture porn.
1: I agree at this point. Like, I used to like the Saws, and I still really like Saw 1. Mm-hmm. For all the reasons I've said in mm-hmm. many other po- uh, episodes, but I think that Spiral does attempt to move away from just being torture porn, but they start with torture porn. Yeah, and so that's the aspect of it. Yeah, it's also a particularly bad one. Um, yeah, having to do with the tongue. We didn't even yeah. get to the point where um,
0: we were less than five happened. minutes in before we had turned it off. Yeah, we
1: just saw his tongue clamped in a, in, in we like, a like, like a trap.
0: Nope. <laughs> yep. I was hopeful that it was going to be more of like a. A mind bender type thing.
1: I think it is once you get past that one scene.
0: Yeah, well, you can get past it and let me know.
1: Yeah, I don't know. We could just fast forward and then watch the rest of it.
0: Yeah, we'll attempt that this weekend. Okay, well, let's go watch Hereditary, an actually good horror movie. All right. And we're back from watching Hereditary. I can tell you one thing if you want a successful marriage, the thing you don't do is when the movie comes off and I say, I'm not sure if I fully understood it, you say, well, it's pretty fucking straightforward. Is <laughs> that what Sean said to me? That isn't
1: exactly the wording
0: that, that I used. Okay, I'd fucking but you said everything else. Well,
1: I, I meant that a little different than it came off, but, <laughs> but it was pretty straightforward.
0: You're so annoyed. I,
1: my, my point of that comment wasn't that you had no reason to be confused at all. I remember being much more confused the first time I watched this. Honestly, the end—I must have just like blanked out, or some. I know I was paying attention because we saw it in the theater and everything. Mm-hmm. So I must have just missed something. But this time I understood it better. Because I remember the very final scene of this, like, really confusing me the first time, and it what it wasn't confusing this time. Mm-hmm. So I, I what I meant
2: <laughs>
1: uh, <laughs> was that I think it's straightforward in the sense that it's not. The narrative is not meant to be like a metaphor because there are some horror movies that are confusing because you don't know if they're meant to be taken symbolically or literally. Mm -hmm. I think that this, when I said straightforward, I meant literally. I think it's straightforward in that what it told you happened, happened. I don't think that it's trying to like make you guess. So straightforward in comparison to an ending like Inception, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: where like you're supposed to maybe question whether the whole movie happened. Right that it's not that type of movie. So I think that like what it tells you, I think the narrative of what happens, you're supposed to take it as actually happening. Whereas in some movies, especially horror movies, you're supposed to maybe doubt whether they're actually seeing what they're seeing or you know, was it all in their head or was it all something else like was it just a metaphor where like it doesn't matter how the people like what happened to them and it's more about like some sort of statement the movie's trying to make like Boba Duck. Mhm. I don't know. I I don't think that's the case in this movie. Mm -hmm. I think it's supposed to be a more straightforward story of possession, and that's it.
0: Um, I think I liked the movie more on this viewing than I did the first time we saw it.
1: I liked it a lot both times, and this time I definitely, like I said, caught more. Mm -hmm. I understood it better. And maybe because I already knew the big moments. Right. I could pay attention to other parts.
0: Yeah, I agree.
1: The, The good thing about this movie is that it balances horror movie cliches with unique storytelling. So, again, you have, like, a seance, you have a possession by some random demon that you've never heard the mm-hmm. name of before. There's a couple jump scares. Um, mm-hmm. Like, the people, like, sleepwalking in a weird... Like, you have, like, mm-hmm. all those things that happen in horror movies, but then the way it tells that story is very unique and different. It doesn't feel like in the other movies that tell those same stories.
0: Right. And I, I w- was gonna say, too, like, even though this is obviously based in, like, not reality. Like, it doesn't have... Like, it's way more realistic and feels like a real thing, way more than something like, say, like, The Conjuring or something like that. Oh, yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. 100%. There's only a couple of supernatural-ish things. So, for the most part, it makes it seem like real things, kind of. Uh, I don't Mm -hmm. know. It's My whole point, though, was that it does... It takes some things that we've seen a million times, and it makes them feel different than we normally see mm-hmm. uh, i like that aspect of it so those are the big movie like horror movie type things that i mentioned they also have other kind of cliche things like for instance in the high school that peter attends mm-hmm. I, I i don't understand this must be a private school and it must go th- from like k through 12 or middles through high school or she's something. 13
0: she'd be and she'd be in high school by 13 No, she
1: should be in like eighth grade
0: i guess you're right yeah i was 15
1: it might be like a combined middle and high school. I don't know. Because I didn't mm-hmm. see any children, but then his sister is clearly not like a high schooler. So I, I don't know. But uh, either which way. Uh, there's a scene, though, where like the high school teacher is talking. This is a scene that is in so many hi- movies about high schoolers. Mm-hmm. But this is not what high school is like. Right. Where you have like a professor, like an Ivy League professor style lecture
2: mm-hmm.
1: of like the guy in the tweed jacket up mm-hmm. and being like, tell me about Heracles.
2: Like, <laughs> right. What do
1: you think is the symbolism? And <laughs> right. like, that is not what high school is like in like 99% of the high schools in America. <laughs> That's not even what college is like in the majority of public colleges. Right. It might be in like liberal arts colleges or Ivy League colleges or some public university classrooms. Mm-hmm. But like, even then you just don't have this like, philosophical, like, we're just going to sit around and, like, think about situations. Like, that type of lecture. That doesn't happen. Uh, They have to be preparing for the tests. (laughs) (laughs) I wrote that down as something that, like, really hit me. The other big one that I noted that's kind of a stereotype in horror movies is that the main characters are always artists or authors. Mm -hmm. And I don't know why. My only guess is that if you want to have a horror movie where... The main things happen in a house,
2: mm-hmm.
1: then those are professions where, at least in the past, pre, pre-remote pre work, <laughs> uh, where you might be expected to be at home all day. That's the only thing I can guess. An author is just sitting in their office writing at home. An artist is at home creating art,
2: mm-hmm. like,
1: like the woman in this.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Sure, they could be doing that at a studio or out at a cafe or something like that. But my only guess on why so many main characters in horror movies are... One of those two professions mm-hmm. is that reason. Right. That it gives them a reason to be at home so much. Right. Where they can see all the haunting happening. Right. Other than that, I just don't know. And this woman is just creating like dioramas like or something. like
0: the. That was one of the things like in the first segment we were definitely talking about like the dollhouse. I had remembered it more of her just working like on a full replica of their house like the entire movie. But that's not... What she's doing? She's just creating tons of like miniature still moments, and some of them are of her house or real life things going on in her life.
1: Right, I completely misremembered that because I thought that the grandmother had something to do with the house. I also have such a distinct memory of seeing the grandmother. Mm-hmm. Was she not in any of the Mm-mm. trailers? No, it's so bizarre because I like I have such a distinct memory of seeing the grandmother in at least a scene. But you never really see her other than in a um, photograph. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. It must have just been a false memory.
0: Right. Well, we also completely forgot that Ann Dowd was in this.
1: Yeah, I completely forgot that.
0: Which I think she's a fantastic actor. Most recently, well known as Aunt Lydia in Handmaid's Tale.
1: Also, I can't remember her name in The Leftovers. What was her name? Patty. 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 Yeah. Uh, Who was one of my favorite characters
0: yeah the leftovers is one of our favorite shows ever.
1: yeah it's fantastic and she was great in it she's great in this and mm-hmm. it's funny because the mother in this movie ends up going to like a grief kind of yeah Tony
0: nicole's character
1: yeah um so she goes to that to just talk to people about grief and and whatever at like a local gym or something like that and she happens to meet Ann Dowd's character, who's Joan.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, you know, she's just nice and gives her a phone number and tells her, like, call me if you need anything. And then she randomly shows up one day uh, in the parking lot later in the movie where she was like, oh, my God, my son. I, re- I reached my son through a seance.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And so, like, here's all the information about it. You should try it. hmm But I wrote it down because it's like it really blew my mind that she was like, okay, I found a medium and the medium held a seance and like we all like were there and we uh, managed to interact with with my son and Mm -hmm. like, look at this. And she like does like a mini seance and like, guess the ghost son spells I love the grandson, the grandson. okay (laughs) spells I love you like Mm -hmm. in really horrible grammar. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It's like I L U V Y U. Mm hmm. And uh, that gets the mother on board and she's going to go try it with her own Mm -hmm. uh, kids or whatever or kid. Mm -hmm. And uh, it blew my mind that in most movies where they hold a seance, it's like a medium leads it or some sort of like priestess or Mm -hmm. something like that. Right. I've never really seen a movie where they're like, okay, so I printed off the instructions (laughs) on Wikipedia. (laughs) Here here are the words you say. It's in a language you can't read, Mm -hmm. but you have to read that. And then it's literally, like, printed on printer paper, printed out instructions on how to hold a seance. Mm-hmm. And so she goes home and is like, mm, I guess I'll give this a try. I've never yeah. really seen that in a yeah. movie before. Uh, and, you know, they hold one and uh, it it goes pretty poorly. And that that scene where they hold a seance is the scene where uh, I wrote down my favorite quote of the movie, which is, one, first, the a glass gets moved on the table and whatever. Uh, but then, like, people are getting heated and, like kind of like fighting with each other about like whether they should keep doing the seance and then like something breaks one of her dollhouse windows and then you know like a flame like the candle flame shoots up in the air and Mm -hmm. and whatever everybody's kind of getting hysterical and and the father is like you're scaring him talking about peter and she's like i'm not scaring him and right when she says i'm not scaring him peter just goes uh it's it's like bawling he
0: he, he literally is making the noise (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
1: which we wrote that down as a rule that you should follow so there were not too many rules for this uh you can drink to all the ones that they said the symbol is the only one if you want to we couldn't even figure out what the symbol was so there's (laughs) this there's a triangle you see the triangle multiple times you see it in the house you see it uh in like a kind of ritual setting Mm -hmm. you see it a number of times there's also some other symbol but you only see that like once or twice yeah uh the symbol you can replace replace it with this replace it with peter crying yeah because peter crying is like a straight up charlie brown cry
2: yeah
1: it's like head goes back and then tears (laughs) come out the side like literally like (laughs) like like snoopy snoopy crying (laughs) is what it's like yeah um Now, there's other people who cry in this where it's like the mother, for instance, where it's like much more.
0: It's like, and it's like heart. I mean, like she does, she has such a great performance in this. Right. And it's like, I mean, it is like gut wrenching how like spot on it seems.
1: Right. I mean, his acting is good. What's the actor's name? Do you remember? Alex Wolf. Yeah. I mean, his acting is good. Really, the crying is the only thing that's like a little bizarre. And there are other scenes where his eyes like tear up, and those Mm -hmm. are like. Like at the uh, dinner scene Mm -hmm. where the the mother like starts yelling at him. Right. That, you know, is normal crying or Mm -hmm. like on the verge of tears, Mm -hmm. whatever. It's just when he openly cries (laughs) where he literally is just like,
2: wah, (laughs) 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 wah. But, uh, you know.
1: (laughs) But you need something like that to break up how somber this movie is.
0: (laughs) Yeah, really. I mean, I Hope that it was a directorial choice to have that be a little bit of, like, comic relief.
1: Even if it wasn't, it was perfect. <laughs> I don't think that his crying in general was. I think that that specific scene of your, mm-hmm. of, like, you're scaring him, I'm not scaring him, <laughs> and then him, like, b- bursting into right. tears. I think that was comedic. But I think that for the m- most part, this movie does not really have much comedy. Right. It is not a comedy. Right. Um It's very oh, much... Not in, even in, like,
0: a tiny bit.
1: No. And it's it's very somber kind of depressing, very intense. That's my whole issue with it as a drinking movie is that it was a little serious.
0: I understand that that's kind of been your woe, but this is a far easier drinking movie to also have as a serious movie. Like...
1: I I agree with that it's so like compared to seven or something like that so we talked how seven wasn't easy to drink to yeah I do think this is easier to drink to because there are more things like that that, and it's not like trying to make you like want to kill yourself depressing Mm -hmm. but it's not gonna make you laugh right
0: no absolutely but it's like one of those things like where you're like wanting to like know what's happening so like you're staying alert trying to follow the story yeah but I think it is a good drinking movie. Like, it's it's definitely not your Encino Man's or anything like that. Like, it's not like a light movie. But I still think that it's a good movie night drinking movie. Yeah. So on drinkability, what are you rating it on a scale of 1 to 10?
1: Uh, I was going to give it a 6.
0: I was going to give it a 7.
1: Yeah. So And the only reason I would give it a 6 is because you can drink to it. You're right about that. You You can drink to it. These rules hit. Uh, for me, I hardly drank at all because I was too invested in the movie. Mm. So it's like in seven, I didn't want to drink one because I was invested in the movie and two because like there were some scenes that are just like, mm-hmm. like you like get mm-hmm. shutters, you know? Mm-hmm. So yeah, there's that aspect of it. It wasn't like that in this movie. It's more that I was just too invested and I wasn't really paying attention for the mm-hmm. drinking rules.
0: But we were doing such a good job throughout it of calling out the drinking rules. Like, There's movies that we get invested in and, like, the drinking rules would hit if, like, we could, like, remember that we're playing a drinking game. Mm -hmm. This was one that, like, I was invested in the movie but could remember that I was playing a drinking game and, like, did it.
1: Right. So, I would say, in in my personal recommendation, I would say you don't have to stay away from it as a drinking movie. But Mm -hmm. is it going to be a House of Wax-style drinking movie? No. Right. And there are not going to be any scenes where you, like, want to pause and rewind and rewatch it. Right. Other than maybe The Crime. Right.
0: As far as like a movie goes, I think I'm giving this like a I'm between 86 and 87. Uh-huh. I think it's a very good movie. It's definitely one of my top movies of that year when it came out. It held up. I really enjoyed watching it. Um, I think it's a great movie.
1: Um, I'm going to give it an 88. And I, I considered putting it in, in the 90s. As a horror movie, it probably is in the 90s. However, comparing this to the director's other famous horror movie, it's Midsummer, which I don't even know if you can call that horror. I don't know what you call it. It is horror, I guess. Comparing it to Midsummer, Midsummer had way more moments that like stuck with me in my head where I remembered very vividly like whole scenes. There are scenes from that, the bear scene, the scene where they're jumping off the rocks, the mm-hmm. Uh, Even like the dinner scene in Midsummer, like where the table is set up like a weird zigzag thing and and they're all around it. I remember all those scenes very vividly. Mm -hmm. And in this movie, I didn't really remember many scenes other than one scene where there's like a fire. Right. Uh, And then the very last scene. I did remember almost exactly the very last scene. So for me, when I see a movie that I like absolutely love, I want it to have at least something about it that like sticks in my head. Right. And that's why I didn't give it quite a 90.
0: Right. That's fair.
1: Though I do now watching it this time think that the story is tighter than I did the first time that I watched it. Right. I personally do think that it kind of loops all together by the end of it. And I didn't think that the first time I saw it. And now I feel like I understand it a little bit better.
0: Well, I enjoyed it as a movie to watch on drinking Night.
1: Yeah, I think we're going to enjoy the second movie even more.
0: I think so, too. Um, So I've looked it up. (laughs) It's House on Haunted Hill. Yeah. Uh, It's a remake of a movie from 1959, which I feel like I knew that, but I'm not sure if I did. Um, As far as the synopsis, this is from Rotten Tomatoes. Um, A millionaire with theatrical tendencies, Stephen Price, played by Jeffrey Rush, invites a number of people to stay in a vastly creepy building that used to be an insane asylum. Stephen, accompanied by his better wife Evelyn, offers a million dollars to anyone who can stay the whole night without leaving out of fear. When Stephen and Evelyn become trapped with their guests, they quickly realize that the house really is haunted and the spirits dwelling within are very angry. So yes. this came out in two thousand, which you know that's like my favorite. Uh well
1: and era we were we were looking at the list of actors and mm-hmm. this is one eclectic cast. It
0: really is everyone have... from
1: Jeffrey <laughs> Rush. Who, to
0: Chris Kattan. <laughs> to
1: Chris Kattan. <laughs> I feel like you could li- use that as like like a phrase that you say in common speech. Like, Yeah, I mean, it had everyone from Jeffrey Rush to Chris Kattan. Right? Jeffrey Rush is an Academy Award winning actor. Yeah. Chris Kattan, I'm assuming, is not.
0: I hope not. Um, also has Peter Gallagher, who has been in A Million Things, but of course, OC is near and dear to my heart. Um, also has Ali Larder, who was big in that time. So. I don't know who that is. Uh, she was, like, in the first Final Destination movie. Mm. She was in...
1: I would recognize her then if I saw yeah. her. I I loved the first few Final Destination
0: yeah. movies. Yeah, you'll recognize her. Finding drinking rules for this has been a little challenging. So I am using Film Drunkies on Tumblr.
1: We've used that one. That was what we used with uh, Molly. Is it? Yeah.
0: Oh. Well, there's way too many rules here, so I'm literally just going to start pulling stuff. So drink whenever anyone says Asylum... Um. It says drink twice every time you see Peter Gallagher. That's once for each eyebrow. <laughs> <laughs> uh, drink when a light flickers or an organ is playing. A what? An organ. An organ. Playing. is yeah. playing. Okay. And whenever somebody dies. All
1: right. That's only a couple.
0: Yeah, I feel like it's a, a shitty CGI.
1: Yeah, there we go. Okay. We'll that one. That's, <laughs> okay. It's two thousand. Okay. I think that's enough. Also, anytime you see Chris katan Okay. If we're going to drink to Peter Gallagher, you have to drink to Chris, <laughs> Chris Kattan. Because I feel like, other than Night of the Roxbury, what other what other movies was Chris
0: Kattan in? Some horrible ones. Also, it was brought to my attention, because I said this before we uh, started recording this segment, Thought on a previous episode, I thought that Night of the Roxbury had been, one, made in the 80s, and to one of the oldest SNL movies. Yeah, you said that. I, I apologize. I I had no I have no recollection of that. I obviously <laughs> haven't listened to that episode. Um, <laughs> but,
1: yeah, that um, was on Allison's, uh, <laughs> Allison's episode. Allison chose Wayne's World. and So yeah. we were talking about what's the earliest SNL skit yeah, you, that was turned into a movie. And you said Night at the Roxbury, even though we were both immediately like, what are you talking about?
0: <laughs> I don't remember this at all. And so just a little fun uh, tidbit. While usually by the end of our movie nights, I am, you know, Feeling good that night was insane. <laughs> I, did not, I don't remember anything of it.
1: Put in the ridge cage. I literally did. So, whoops! Uh, well, yeah, you 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 said it, and uh, here's Chris <laughs> Katan back to bite you.
0: Oh, well, this is all to, to say too that I thought that uh, Rob Schneider was in the night of Roxbury. <laughs>
1: you, you can't think that Rob Schneider is in everything.
0: I think I can.
1: It's just weird, it's weird that you're like, oh, every like B or C list comedian of time. the 2000s. Or maybe
0: it wasn't Rob Schneider. Maybe it was the other guy um, from Encino Man. What's that guy's name? Pauly Shore. M- maybe I think it thought it was Pauly Shore. I don't know, actually. <laughs> I definitely didn't think it was Chris Kattan. I didn't know who he was. But he was on SNL. I wasn't watching SNL in the 90s. Really? No, I wouldn't understand any of that. Neither did you.
1: I watched SNL throughout all of the late 90s. doesn't mean and that early you 2000s. understood
0: it. Yeah, I did. Have mm-hmm. you seen some of those skits? If I was a kid, I wouldn't understand like all the fun political windows and stuff.
1: Well, sure. and But honestly, SNL has become more political in like today's era. Like I feel like 80s, 90s SNL made a lot more like physical comedy jokes. And I'm sure that there's like, like adult humor that you wouldn't understand as a child. But a lot of it was I still found funny. That was like the go to thing that we would do uh, during sleepovers. Mm -hmm. You just like stay up on and watch Saturday Night Live Mm -hmm. because it's like the only thing on at that point in time. Mm -hmm. That was back, you know, like when your only other option that late at night would have been like, I can't even think like what even came on. Terrible, like terrible.
2: Yeah, I
0: don't know. It's
1: like it became mostly infomercials. Right. If you remember, like all the cable stations, like they stopped playing anything and it's like Mm -hmm. just commercials or you had like Nick at Night. Yeah. Which at that late at night was then playing like I Love Lucy or something like that. Yeah.
0: Oh, whatever <laughs> let's go watch <laughs> What's...
1: house on a haunted hill
0: house on haunted hill yeah yep that that's what we're gonna go watch now <laughs>
1: i don't know why it's so ta- <laughs> oh, so hard but really hard yeah all right we'll be back
0: and we're back from house on haunted hill hey look i said it yeah. in full
1: I had to think about it for a second. Yeah, you, you did. <laughs> this movie was surprisingly terrible.
0: And, like, not the fun type of terrible, I would say.
1: Uh, no, it, well, it depends on what you mean. If if I went to a theater paying money, like, to mm-hmm. see this, I would be so angry.
0: We paid $3 to see this.
1: I mean, if, like, if we paid, like, $20 to see this, okay. like a new movie in theaters. So
0: $3 is okay, $20 not okay. Uh,
1: being at home, drinking to it, okay. Okay. Being... In a normal movie theater for $20 watching this would be terrible. Mm-hmm. But, of course, this came out in, like, 2004. I thought it was 2000. No, 1999.
0: Oh, you're right. You're we right. looked
1: it up. Yeah. 1999. We looked it up because the second that we saw Jeffrey Rush, we mm-hmm. were like, what the fuck is <laughs> going on? <laughs> right. Because Jeffrey Rush looked like he was, like, 30.
0: Yeah. I If I did not go into that movie knowing that Jeffrey Rush was in it, I never would have been like, hey, look, Jeffrey Rush.
1: Especially because Jeffrey Rush looks like modern day Jeffrey Rush just like three years later, Mm -hmm. or however, I guess, I don't know, what was it? Four years later when Mm -hmm. he was in Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah. So like in that one, or Caribbean, we never looked up to see which one it is, (laughs) but either which way, uh, when he was in that movie, he looked like he looks now. So I don't understand how just like a couple years earlier, he looks like. Like a young Walt Disney. <laughs> right. Like in this movie, he lo- he's playing that type of person. Mm-hmm. Like a very Disney-ish,
2: mm-hmm.
1: like looking character. Mm-hmm. I-, I almost kind of feel like it was kind of based on like a twisted Walt Disney because mm-hmm. he's also owns like amusement parks.
0: Yeah, which it was called like Price Amusement Parks, but it was very clearly Universal Studios, the Hulk.
1: Yeah, but only the Hulk, <laughs> which we brought that up because it's, uh, our friend pointed out, our friend was here watching with us and pointed it out that that was the Hulk. It, it in fact, was, we looked it up. And they're trying to make it seem like it was a, a mo- like a ride created for the movie or something like that. Right. They, they changed the name and everything. But it's like the green tracks and the purple overhang and, mm-hmm. and all that stuff. However, if you were Universal, I don't know if they mm-hmm. produced this movie or if they just gave them the rights to use the Hulk or, mm-hmm. or whatever. And it was that recognizably the Hulk? Mm-hmm. That is terrible advertisement for a roller coaster. Because they film it where, like, nobody, like, dies on it. It, That's Mm -hmm. not, like, part of the scary Mm -hmm. part of the movie. It's, like, a normal roller coaster, right? Mm -hmm. But there's a scene where it, like, jumps the tracks onto, Mm -hmm. like, another track. And, like, everybody's screaming and they're playing horror music.
2: Mm -hmm. Like, this
1: is supposed to be really terrifying, this ride. Mm -hmm. That is not how you want to advertise for, like, 11-year-olds to go ride the Hulk. Right. That was weird. There's a couple things about this movie where they have products with the branding,
2: Mm -hmm. where they
1: like definitely are trying to show it to you Mm -hmm. also the same with like i think it was a canon camera yeah because they have a camcorder but it's like (laughs) one of those ones where the camcorder is like almost sideways yeah so it's like as thick of as a normal camcorder but it was like sideways and had the outward facing Mm -hmm. i don't know like those were i never understood them Mm -mm. they're so much harder to hold right than a regular camcorder that you just put your like hand in the little Mm -hmm. thing I don't understand this one but they showed that and they showed the little emblem. I was sitting too far away and I can't see as well <laughs> <laughs> anymore but it looked like Canon. <laughs> uh,
0: yeah, no I agree. Um I did get really really excited about 5 minutes into the movie when a side character doesn't even have a real name. He doesn't have any lines. He doesn't have I think he had like two lines.
1: Well, screaming on the Hulk.
0: Yeah. And it was because it was James Marsters who played Spike and Buffy.
1: This also overlapped with Buffy.
0: <laughs> of course this would have overlapped. No, that's what
1: I'm saying. So he would have been, like, at his, like, most famous.
0: Um, In 99, he hadn't been at it as a series regular yet.
1: Oh, really? Yeah. So it's right before that.
0: Yeah. I mean, like, he had been showing up on it, but, like, he was not...
1: OK, because I was about to say, like, if that's weird, you know, mm-hmm. that'd be like having Sarah Michelle Gellar, like holding a camera in the background with, right. uh, without a name. Right. Like, I think he's like cited as cameraman or channel whatever.
0: three news uh, ch- channel three cameraman.
1: Yeah. So like <laughs> that's
0: weird. <laughs> it is weird. Hey, but around this time, remember Sarah Michelle Gellar popped up and she's all that.
1: But wasn't that because she was dating someone? I don't, I
0: don't know if her and Freddie Prinze are dating yet.
1: Oh, maybe it's, that's how they met. I There's think we had no, this conversation no my when we God, watched this it. Is no,
0: I think we did, but they did not meet on She's All That when she was just sitting at a table with no lines.
1: I mean, maybe. You don't know.
0: <laughs> I do know, Sean. How did they meet? Uh, I know what you did last summer.
1: That was before? Yeah. So that was earlier than?
0: Uh, I don't, I'm not 100% confident, but I, probably, I feel pretty confident.
1: I'm not going to look it up, so <laughs> we'll <I know>. see. <laughs> Either which way, uh, which, going on a tangent real quick, because you brought up Freddie Prince Jr., I just learned this week, I texted you when I saw mm-hmm. it, I just learned this week, so Freddie Prince Jr., we had in a baseball movie not that long ago. Uh, Freddie Prince Jr., however, you know, he hasn't been in a lot of stuff recently. It's not like he's still like pumping out movies or TV shows or anything like that. But I'll tell you what he did do, because I didn't really track Freddie Prince Jr. after the 2000s.
0: Well, I, I want to tell you, um, he was in, I know, what you did last summer in 97 and she's all that was 99.
2: Okay. So they <laughs> met. Okay.
0: On, I know what you did last night. <laughs> All right,
2: good enough.
1: I don't care. Also, <laughs> so Freddie Prince Jr. He's in uh, a sports movie, right? The only sport, or at least the the biggest sport that I know he is connected to, is not baseball. However, it's wrestling, and it's wrestling because Freddie Prince Jr. began to write like the storylines for WWE at one point in time. What? Yeah. So you know how like. Wrestling is all scripted and, like, Mm -hmm. it's kind of written like a soap opera. Mm -hmm. Like, you have arcs and, like, certain people are supposed to get into fights. And if you've ever watched it, I mean, I saw Mm -hmm. on TikTok the other day they had a uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin, Mm -hmm. like, clip. And it's, like, him and this guy in, like, a, I don't know if it was, like, a senior citizen, like, type place or whatever. But they're playing bingo and Steve Austin is, like, spinning the little bingo thing. And he, like, pulls out a number And he was like, okay. And there's another wrestler, like, sitting playing bingo with all the older people. And Steve Austin is like, it's 316, which is like, Mm -hmm. you know, he always did, like, Austin 316. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And so, like, when he says that, though, like, the guy at the table, like gets like really startled and like
2: (laughs) flips his board over
1: and runs out the door because he knows that it means that they're actually about to fight. Mm -hmm. And then Steve Austin chases after him. Like that's how scripted it is. Okay. So, and that's like, it's gotten even more ridiculous since then. There's a point in time where like, I feel like maybe a little bit more realistic, but it is like straight up so unrealistic uh, at this point. Uh, But anyway, what I did not know about it, however, is that Freddie Prince Jr. wrote WWE storylines.
0: Yeah. I, I looked it up because I was too I should to be careful with you sometimes because you can say things so convincingly. No,
1: this is one I know for a fact.
0: <laughs> and, and sometimes they're wrong.
1: I know it for a fact because this brings me to my second point, which is that Freddie Prince Jr. has his own podcast, which mm-hmm. is called uh WWF, I think. Uh, but it's basically like wrestling with Freddie. <laughs> And it's, it's just about like his love of wrestling. Mm-hmm. And when I was looking this up, cause I, I heard an ad for it. I heard an ad for his podcast the other day and I was like, what? Like he was associated. And you never think about like the writers behind something like WWE or WWF. Like you never really r- just remember that they have writers and that those people might be people who do writing on other Hollywood things. Right. Right. You just like, don't think about that stuff. But uh, yeah, he, like, loved it so much that he's, like, a huge fan of wrestling, still does wrestling. He was doing an interview, though, not that long ago, where he basically was, like, open to the idea of starting his own wrestling. I don't know what you call them. Mm-hmm. Like, Federation. <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> I don't, what do you call them? I don't know. I don't know. It's, like, basically, like, the, the league or the whatever, you know. He wanted to start his own wrestling thing. Uh, Like to compete with WWE, and there's a new one now. I don't remember the name of, but he was talking about how like the newer one that started is a lot better for wrestling fans because they care more about the storylines and blah blah blah. Right, blew my mind. I had no clue that he was tied in any way to wrestling.
0: Well, that's fascinating. Fascinating story about a person not at all related to this movie.
1: No, (laughs) it was a a tangent, (laughs) like I said. However, uh, something that is tied to this movie, Tay Diggs, because Tay Diggs plays an ex baseball player.
0: Was something supposed to be connected to that?
1: Uh sure. So Freddie Prince <laughs> Jr. played a baseball player. <laughs> <laughs> Tay Diggs could have very well been in that summer catch.
0: Yeah. He could have been. Yeah. He seemed more legit than the people playing in that little town. Yeah, yeah. that's true. <laughs> Tay Diggs was in, in this movie. Yeah,
1: and he played an ex baseball player. Also, every character in this, this is, like, such a poorly written movie. it It's like playing a game of Clue or, like, being in an escape room.
0: An escape room is a really good way to put it.
1: The escape room is is what immediately came to my mind because there's a scene where, like, the premise, as we said in the synopsis, is that Jeffrey Rush plays, like, a millionaire who owns amusement parks. He's, mm-hmm. for whatever reason, interested in this, like insane asylum that looks like a lighthouse but is also a house
2: mm-hmm. it,
1: i don't understand it at all i don't understand what this is yeah because it's an insane asylum but then like there's somehow a whole house attached yeah. to it and it doesn't look like a house from the outside it looks right. like a tower so i don't i don't understand any of it right but anyway so his whole premise is that he's for whatever reason interested in haunted places and particularly that place mm-hmm. I, I think he's tied to some of the people who died there or lived there or something like that. Uh, One of the doctors or something. So any which way, he is going to pay people to come and spend a night in this house. You know, you learn more about like why and everything else throughout the whole movie, but that's the general premise. It's not like that clear, like why he's offering to pay people a million dollars to stay in this house, but he is Mm -hmm. for whatever reason. So they use this premise to basically introduce all the characters because... The movie starts at at an amusement park with Jeffrey Rush and you don't Mm -hmm. get introduced to to hardly anybody. Right. You're introduced to one character who is with the person you said, the cameraman. Mm. Yes. So you get to the house. You don't know any of the characters, but all these people walk in. And at the time, they're like recognizable celebrities, too. Mm -hmm. So these are all these characters played by recognizable people that you just have not been introduced to. So the way they introduce you to them is the most like escape room style introduction ever. Mm -hmm. Or like a murder mystery, like... Mm -hmm. Like, if you're going to, like, Gatlinburg or Pigeon Forge mm-hmm. and you go to, like, pay for a murder mystery dinner, right? this is how they would be introduced. So it's basically he's like, OK, I'm going to offer all of you a million dollar check, cashier's check. And all you have to do is spend one night here. And so he was like, who's down? And everybody's down. And so he's like, OK, I'm going to go ahead and make the checks out real quick. Um, you, what's your name? <laughs> like he invited all the people. Right. <laughs> but either which way. Uh, so they go, like, one by one introducing themselves basically so he was like you who are you and uh, you know it's like a doctor and he was like I'm whatever MD that's how they go through every single thing yeah. I'm whoever else I'm a celebrity <laughs> like, it's, it's literally <laughs> the fakest like how you would introduce yourself at a murder mystery party mm-hmm. like I'm a eccentric billionaire. That is how everybody introduces themselves in this whole thing. And so Tay Diggs comes up and is like, uh, I don't remember any of their names because they're so forgettable. Mm-hmm. But uh, Tay Diggs is like, I'm an ex baseball player. <laughs> and, and that's his whole thing. No,
0: he's like, I'm a professional. Yeah, that's right. Was a professional. Yeah, baseball but they,
1: player. they also don't like they make it say that as if you're going to learn some more about that later, and you don't. Never again. You don't learn about anybody's backstory <laughs> no. more than their occupation. Mm And their name. Mm -hmm. And then there's like the most minimal link to the house for each of them. But like not really. Right. You don't really learn about like some big thing narratively that is actually connected them to the house. Right. The writing of this was so bad. The character development horrendous. And like I said, these are such like surface level characters. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's literally like doctor, celebrity, Mm -hmm. journalist. Like nobody has any sort of like real nuance to them. Right. (laughs) I
0: don't know. (laughs) Uh, well, we realized after we had recorded the last segment that we never made our shots in the dark because we hadn't seen this.
1: You're right. Yeah. So we, we made our shots in the, r- the dark right before the movie started. And, uh, I think we had some good ones. My shot in the dark, uh, because it had Jeffrey Rush, I said, if he ever says ghost story.
0: <laughs> Which I loved.
1: <laughs> because of his character <laughs> in, uh, Pirates of the Caribbean. Mm-hmm. Um, who says... You better start believing in ghost stories. Because you're in one. one. (laughs) I really wanted that to happen. He did use the voice multiple times. Yeah. As if he might be about to say it. And he didn't say ghost. He
0: he said ghost and story could have just gotten so perfectly after it.
1: Yeah. We had that one. Uh, You had a good one too. What was yours?
0: Mine? because I mean, this is just the number one trope of this time of a quote-unquote horror movie that's like being catchy in the 90s they they're like number one thing so they can get that R rating is just to show boobs for no reason like bare boobs does not not a part of like the storyline not needed doesn't progress the plot in any way that's always what they do
1: yeah and it, you you kind of emphasize this too that it couldn't just be as part of like a sex scene right that it had to be like for absolutely no reason just mm-hmm. showing boobs
0: exactly because
1: we have other well, I guess in, in uh, House of Wax, they didn't actually show boobs. But they do show, like, a very scantily clad Paris Hilton. Right. In a similar fashion. But that one is actually part of, like, they're making out. And they're, like, about to have sex or something. Right. And it doesn't show her boobs, but it, like, could have in a mm-hmm. different type of movie with a different person mm-hmm. who maybe wasn't as famous mm-hmm. at the time. Right. So, yeah. So, that was a good one. Because they always try to mask it as, like, oh, well, they're just randomly hooking up in a in the woods or something like that. So, to limit it to just... It has to be out out of nowhere, not part of a sex scene, not part of a like, I'm about to jump in a lake, so I took all my clothes off. Not that. Something so gratuitous and unnecessary. And do you want to share how long it took for that gratuitous and unnecessary boobage to happen?
0: I think we saw like three minutes in, right? Yeah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It was almost immediately after the opening credits.
0: There was absolutely no point for it.
1: The opening credits one lasted for fucking ever. It lasted like four minutes. And it was a like, it looked like they were trying to recreate seven, that type of opening where it's like kind of creepy and there's like a lot of overlapping parts to it, you know, and like it shifts like to a whole bunch of different like scenes Mm -hmm. almost. It seemed like they were trying to do that, but they Mm -hmm. did it so horrendously bad. Yes. It looked so bad. The music was terrible playing behind it like mm-hmm. in seven we, it felt modern it mm-hmm. still felt modern it came out in the 90s and it still it felt like we mentioned like american horror story like mm-hmm. one of their openings this seemed like it was immediately trying to just copy that and this would have only been like a couple years after seven so it probably yeah. was trying to copy it but man horrendous opening i've never i've almost never seen an opening worse than the opening of this
2: mm-hmm.
1: it was like somehow like uncomfortable to watch but also like lasted so long it was boring mm-hmm. Uh, The music was monotonous, which Mm -hmm. never stops. The music in this is so monotonous because they paid for the rights to one song, (laughs) which was a a Marilyn Manson (laughs) song. And then they clearly had no money left for any other songs. (laughs) So everything else is just like random music. It's not even like songs. There's no soundtrack other than one Marilyn Manson
2: song, (laughs) which is so
1: weird. It was rough. Opening scene takes four minutes. Almost immediately, you're you're going back in the past to see like what made this place haunted or mm-hmm. something like that. So you see it as it's an insane asylum,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and that is when you immediately see there's like a revolt in the asylum. Mm-hmm. And as part of that revolt, like I don't know if you call them inmates or patients. I guess they're Patience, patients yeah. because it, I mean they treat them like prisoners. Yeah. So it's it's hard. To, but anyway, immediately rips a nurse's shirt off.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> it's just like full on <laughs> everything. Yeah. So, and that's not the only time it happens. And that was like in the first, like you said, three or four minutes, but you see many other unnecessary boobs throughout the rest of the movie. There's a scene where he's like in water randomly. I think he's hallucinating or something like that. And Mm -hmm. there's a topless woman there. You see a dismembered body. Mm -hmm. The whole body is dismembered, right? Like the limbs are off. The head is off. But perfectly, the torso with the boobs still on it. Right. <laughs> perfectly preserved. <laughs> I don't remember that actress's name either. But, I don't either. Uh, she's recognizable.
0: Yeah, she was in Billy Madison.
1: Yeah. But anyway, so they, they preserved those boobs in case you wanted to see a dismembered boob.
0: Right. As far as the drinking rules, I didn't love the drinking rules that we found for this. We talked about like one of the it, like one was like anytime a light like flickers. I like flickers in every single scene. Like it's like that is the lighting, you know, there isn't like a flicker for a dramatic effect.
1: Right. And something else we wrote down that you could drink to is anytime that Evelyn who has played, um, what's her name? Is it Famke? How do you say uh, her name?
0: Famke Jensen
2: Jansen.
1: Yeah. The one who played Phoenix in X-Men. Yeah. So she's in this movie. Anytime that she basically like bickers, with Mm -hmm. mr price who is jeffrey rush Mm -hmm. they're married uh Mm -hmm. but they clearly don't have a good relationship and Mm -hmm. so they're constantly like catty with each other Mm -hmm. but through the whole movie that's a good one to drink to terrible cgi was a great one to drink to that was in the rules. and terrible cgi this is like the worst cgi i've ever seen it was real bad i think that the cgi in this because this had to have some sort of budget right i think Mm -hmm. the cgi in this was worse than goosebumps (laughs) That was on TV. I'd
0: agree with that.
1: It was like, (laughs) it was far worse than Are You Afraid of the Dark? Right. I honestly just, I cannot think of any other thing that was released in theaters that has CGI this bad. Right. The main evil thing in the house is all CGI and is like literally the dumbest thing I have ever seen in a horror movie. Yeah, for sure. It's one, not scary at all when you see it. But it is this like it is horrendously done. Everything about it is like it looks like it's it's CGI from like the early eighties.
0: Okay, it had a thirty-seven million dollar budget.
1: That is more than enough in nineteen ninety nine to not look like this.
0: And the worldwide uh, gross was forty two point five million.
1: So that's not bad, yeah. especially in nineteen ninety nine. Mm-hmm. So I mean, uh, you know, a movie that makes thirty million is considered successful, and you know many directors have a whole career off of making thirty million dollar movies. Right. So for this to make almost fifty, that would be considered a success. It definitely made a profit because you said thirty million dollar budget. Right. This movie looked like it was made with like five hundred thousand dollars. Like it looked like it was made by a a whole bunch of amateurs. Who is the director on this?
0: I was just looking at him. William Malone. What else did he do? Um he did Honey I Shrunk the Kids the T V (laughs) show. Um, he did something for Tales from the Crypt.
1: Tales from the Crypt looked more <laughs> realistic than this. And that was also before this.
0: Yeah, nothing super impressive.
1: Mm, well, I can see why. <laughs> I mean, literally, like, definitely drink. If you're going to watch this, definitely drink to bad CGI and just waterfall during the end of the movie.
0: Right. Like the last
1: sure. 10 minutes. Waterfall because it's unbearable to watch.
0: Right. Where are you scoring this movie?
1: I have absolutely no idea. I think... I'm going to give it, I think it deserves single digits. I think I'm going to give it like an eight.
0: That, I think that's really fair. And, you know, I write down my score mm-hmm. right as soon as we finish. So I have to keep myself honest. Yeah. Because after talking about it, I also want to do single digits, but I wrote uh 12%.
1: Well, that's uh, understandable. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, is it fun to watch as a, as a drinking movie? Yeah. Yeah, it definitely is. And it's, It has rules that you can drink to, especially if you add some of the ones that we said. But as a movie, it like it might be one of the worst horror movies I have ever seen. And that's saying a lot because there's a lot of intentionally bad horror movies. Mm -hmm. It's just like the dialogue of this is terrible. The direction is horrendous. Like the way they filmed it looks like you're in like a Six Flags. Mm -hmm. Like it is the quality of production that you would see like literally standing in line for a ride. Yeah. This looks like it was filmed literally to be like the little like five minute storyline that's introducing you to a ride you're about to get on.
0: Yeah, I agree.
1: And somehow this is a movie. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it was so, so bad. Jeffrey Rush is like, this has to be the worst thing he's ever done. I don't
2: know. And we
1: looked at, we wondered like, was he not yet famous? Oh no. So in 1999, he also played Casanova Frankenstein (laughs) in Mystery Men, which is, I love Mystery Men. Mr. Men was, was a very good movie. And before that, he was in Elizabeth, which was a popular movie. And he was in Shakespeare in Love, which was a popular movie. Right. And before that, he was also in one other thing. Uh, I think he was in Les Rob, like the 90s version of Les Miserables. So he was like a real person, right? He's like a an actor who had leading or supporting roles. Like he wasn't just Wait, a... Wait, he had
0: already won his Oscar before this. For what? Uh, Shine, which he won that in 97.
1: Well, there you go. So it's like he was already an Oscar <laughs> award winning actor. And and I will say he's his acting is not the worst part of this by right. any means. And like, he was
0: nominated that same year for Shakespeare in Love.
1: Yeah, that's insane. So he like, <laughs> oh, my gosh, <laughs> what was he thinking? I don't know. So much worse than other actors that took on, you know, like kind of lesser roles, because like, yes, his acting is still Perfectly palatable.
2: Mm-hmm. The
1: acting of some people like Chris Kattan is not. Mm-hmm. Chris Kattan, I don't know what, like who thought to put him in this
0: movie. I don't know. It's like, it's I like he was trying to. Was on this movie.
1: <laughs> it's like he was trying to fit, like they're trying to fill that um, comedic role, mm-hmm. but they also didn't make him comedic. Right. So they're like, let's put a comedian in this horror movie, but then make him a serious character, which made absolutely no sense. Like when you have that character, they fill the role of like Matthew Lillard in 13 Ghosts where he's like kind of dumb and silly and like he makes jokes, right? right. So if you're going to put someone like that in a movie, then make him that character. Instead of making Chris Kattan the character that Chris Kattan should be, because he's in like SNL at this point in time, mm-hmm. they make him a serious character that has a purpose in the plot. That is not the role he should be playing. And he does not do it well because he's not a good actor. So I don't know. Yeah. I don't in like Night at the Roxbury, I'm sure he was fine. I haven't seen that movie since I was a kid. So I don't know. It by mm-hmm. today's standards, how like what type of actor he was, but not who should be in that movie. Mm-hmm. And the cast is really like not that bad, especially for this time period. Like, no. like we already mentioned, uh, Fomke J- Jansen mm-hmm. or whatever her name is. X-Men was like hugely successful mm-hmm. and she was pretty good in it. Mm-hmm. In in all three of them of, of the original three that she was in, she's not that bad. Tay Diggs, I don't think is really even that bad at this point in time. Mm-hmm. He was in like, not like huge big box mm-hmm. movies, but like.
0: He was there. Yeah,
1: and he honestly wasn't that bad of an actor either in this. I would say that, like, the blonde actresses, I can't mm-hmm. remember their names. Allie they were, Larder
0: and the girl we can't remember.
1: Yeah, and it's probably not even their fault. It's mm-hmm. just that their characters were so poorly yeah. written. It was rough. I mean, one is... Journalist and one is celebrity. Right. She introduces herself as celebrity. Right. What is your job? I'm a celebrity. That right. is not what people they, <laughs> they would say. I'm a singer or I'm an actor or. I'm or I'm
0: people a, wouldn't need to ask your name because you're a celebrity. Because you're a celebrity, you don't have to introduce
1: yourself as a celebrity. But anyway, that's how she introduces herself. All those people were so underdeveloped and they were just clearly there because they're like pretty. Like that's the role that they play.
0: <laughs> they're like pretty. That's It's like they're just.
1: That's the whole purpose. Like, they're in this movie because they're attractive and people want to see attractive people. Right.
0: Well, that was a that was a fun pick.
1: Yeah. I mean, it was a good pick and I had never seen it before. I honestly don't even remember anything about this movie, which is rare. I normally at least remember, like, something about the movie. I remember the trailers or I remember the box art or I remember people talking about it. Mm-hmm. I don't remember seeing Jeepers Creepers since, like middle school Mm -hmm. but I remember people talking about it. Mm -hmm. So it's like, that's something I remember. Uh, there's a lot of movies like that, like especially crappy horror movies Mm -hmm. that I remember people talking about them, even if I didn't see them. Mm -hmm. No, no discussion completely off the radar with this movie. Right.
2: Well,
0: next movie nights, my night and I haven't had a night in a long time. Yeah. It's going to be like the complete, um, opposite of a horror night. Like we had tonight. Okay. So we watched White Lotus this year. On yeah, we HBO did. Mm-hmm. And loved it. Yep. But the number one thing that we got from White Lotus is Jennifer Coolidge reemergence. I Adore Jennifer Coolidge, and I'm so happy that she's, like, having her moment right now. So that made me really want to watch some more Jennifer Coolidge.
1: I couldn't even name a movie that she's in.
0: Well, I'm about to name two. <laughs> I'm sure I would
1: recognize her in... I mean, I knew who she was when right. we watched White Lotus, so, like, surely I've seen her, but... I just, off the top of my head, can't think of what she's been in.
0: And if you're even a fraction of a Jennifer Coolidge fan, you know exactly where I'm going. My good movie is going to be Legally Blonde. Mm -hmm. And my bad movie is going to be A Cinderella Story with Hilary Duff, Chad Michael Murray. And we are just so lucky that we get a great Jennifer Coolidge in this.
1: Uh, Chad Michael Murray has been in a couple of our bad movies lately. This will be
0: his second one, yeah.
1: Yeah. We see a lot of repeats. Uh, Matthew Lillard has been in a, like three or four now at this point. Yeah. Uh, Chad Michael Murray is now a repeat.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: we've we've had a lot of those.
0: Yeah. Well, I can't wait for my super pink sparkly movie night.
1: <laughs> well, I will say that before the podcast, we watched um, Lizzie McGuire, and that was actually pretty enjoyable as a bad movie.
0: Yeah. So we get Hillary Duff again.
1: Yeah, and she was not. She was by far the worst part of Lizzie McGuire and she's the main character. <laughs> her yeah. acting was like so, so bad. I hope it's like that in this. It is. I mean, there was a moment in Lizzie McGuire, we talked about it, mm-hmm. where she literally w- did like a, mm-hmm. like, like, <laughs> like shaking her head and like, like literally like her eyes bug out, like, mm-hmm. like that was how she showed that she was startled. Right. <laughs> <laughs> like she was like Barney Fife- in like a 1950s episode of a TV show. Yep. That is the acting that she did. So I hope this repeats. Was this before or after Lizzie McGuire?
0: This was after Lizzie McGuire.
1: Okay. Well, so now she's like really into acting.
0: Oh, yeah. <laughs> she is definitely an actress now.
1: She transitioned from singing.
0: Yeah. So you're good to see her next week.
1: Well, I hope it's good.
0: <laughs> it's great. I bet it's
1: going to be hard to find drinking rules for.
0: I don't think so.
1: Is it still popular?
0: Yeah, especially since the Jennifer Coolidge reemergence this mm, year.
1: I see. Okay. All right. Well, we'll be back next time.
0: Sounds good. Bye.
1: See ya.